Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Hello, welcome to today's show. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Today, I have in studio, live all the way from Salt Lake City, Utah, a very special guest here with me today, Mr. Gerald Rogers. Gerald, hello. How are you today? Why, hello, Allison. It is a pleasure to be here in your studio and to... To, yeah, just experience this. I'm so excited for today's conversation. I am too. So today's conversation is all about intimacy. So for any of those of you who are faint of heart or have small children in the car, they don't want to hear things about uh, sexual intimacy, then you may want to pause this and listen to it later <laughs> or or not listen at all. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to introduce Gerald Rogers. Uh, as you know, I always give an opportunity for my guests to brag about themselves. I have to brag about him a little bit, though. Um, so there's a couple reasons why I asked you to come do the show with me today, Gerald. First of all, Gerald actually wrote a post after he uh, went through a divorce a few years ago, and the post was called The Marriage Advice I Wish I Would Have Had. And that post was a Facebook post. It actually went viral, got over a million views. And from that post, you were invited to be on the Today Show. Is that right? On the Today Show. And that post appeared in so many outlets, and I was getting people in in Australia, like saying they saw it on the news or they they saw it um, all over the place. So it was it was crazy to watch the impact that that post had on so many people, and it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And um, and so from that, you actually were on the Today Show. Now this post was so good, you guys, that actually somebody copied the whole post and said it was the marriage advice Brad Pitt he w- wished he would have had. So if you search for marriage advice from Brad Pitt, you'll see my post with uh, the only thing that was changed was the number of years on it. The so. number of years he'd been married. Yeah. That's right. So, I mean, that was pretty good. And so then you went on to write a book called The Marriage Advice I Wish I Would Have Had. And what divorce taught me about love and life, because it was it was a time in my life where I was really searching because I had spent 16 years like really believing like this was it. I was going to spend my entire life with this person. And for anyone that's ever experienced divorce or heartbreak, it's, it's, it's like one of the most traumatic experiences because no one gets married hoping that someday you'll get divorced. You know, we all oh, I dream. Hope someday. <laughs> we all dream of happily yeah. ever after. And when that dream crumbles and, and we find ourselves single again, like mm-hmm. it's, it's all about like recreating that identity. So it was so painful. But um, I think the reason why that post connected with so many people is because we all have struggles within our relationships. We all have struggle experiencing true intimacy, not just sexual intimacy, but real connection within it. And and especially after we've been married for a long time, it's really easy for us to to lose all of that, you know, connection and passion. And so mm-hmm. I, I really am excited to have this conversation to share some of those things that we learned and um and I know you've experienced many of the same things. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to go back to that moment in time when you wrote that very first post. But before we do that, I want to tell you another reason why I had Gerald on the show today. He is actually my romantic partner and has brought me a lot of uh, increased uh, knowledge about intimacy and just what it is like to create a real relationship with somebody. And I would uh, honestly say that um, I have learned so much from you and feel more connected with you than I felt with um, anybody else before in my life. And so I wanted to bring this to other people so that they could have that same special gift in in their lives. And I think the, the fact of the matter is 
is we don't know what we don't know. So if there's something we don't have and we haven't experienced it, we don't know what it's like. But I think at its deep level, we're all craving this intimacy. Of course, Gerald has many other accolades. Is there anything else you want to brag about before we go back to that moment in time? Um, anything else I want to brag about? Yeah, I give you full permission to brag. This is a, a safe space for bragging. Um, when I was 13 years old, I had a wood tick collection. <laughs> you did tell me about that. So. No, I, I don't have anything else to brag about. I've spent the last 11 years like really focusing on on helping people transform their lives through coaching and mentoring. And, and I put on these events, and it's interesting for me because even at that space where I went through divorce, like there's a part where, you know, as coaches, as leaders, as speakers, like we have people look to us and we feel like we have to have it all figured out. Like we have to have all the answers and we know how to do it. And, and when, when, our life is crumbling around us. It like really hits our self-esteem even yeah. harder because we're like, what do we do with this? But I, I feel like because of that mindset and that coaching experience, at least I was able to look at that ex that divorce and think, okay, what what can I learn from this? How can I improve from this? And because of that, like I, I've been able to experience things that I never even dreamed possible within that first relationship. Yeah. Well, and I love that. And I know we're going to be sharing some of those secrets in a little bit. Um, I'm going to have Gerald share with us his that moment in time before you wrote that viral post and kind of what was going through your head. And then I want to circle back around and define what intimacy is. But if you're listening on Facebook Live, we've got some people on Facebook Live, I would love to hear... Uh, what is your definition of intimacy? What do you consider the definition of intimacy to be? And, and there's different definitions. It's really interesting. Gerald and I were just at Burning Man and we went to this intimacy workshop and I know I was expecting it to be like this romantic, you know, how do you increase, you know, your sex life in the bedroom or whatever. And it was actually a workshop where we went around and, and we had very little personal interaction with each other, but we went around and looked at each other's uh, eyes with the other people that were in the workshop and created that Im intimacy. So I know there's several different definitions. So what is your definition of intimacy? We'd love to hear from you. Just post down below in the comments. Um, today, specifically, we're going to be talking about romantic intimacy, but I just want to know in general. So before we get back to the definition of intimacy, Gerald, I would like for you to take us to that moment in time, because obviously this post that you wrote, this advice that you gave about how to take care of your relationship and, and your partner uh, was something that struck accord with millions of people all over the world. So talk to us a little bit about that space that you were in and the inspiration you received before you wrote that post. Yeah, I really love that question. And it's interesting for me to rewind back in time to relive that moment, because the moment that post was written, I had just barely moved into uh, my own condo. It was it was really the first time I had ever lived by myself in my entire life. And I was up in this condo up in Solitude Ski Resort in, in Salt Lake City. And in that space, um, I had my kids there on the weekend and I was just processing. The day before I wrote this post, it was a finally official. The divorce was complete. I was officially um, at the end of that relationship after 16 years of being married to this incredible woman and and so much of my heart was like really searching, okay, where where do I go from here and how did I get here in the first place? And. For anyone that's been through divorce or been through these heartbreaks, you know how gut-wrenching this experience was. And, and it was interesting for me because the previous six months leading up to that point was by far the most challenging and difficult time of my life. 
And it was a time where I was questioning who I was at a man, as a man and why it was that this woman no longer wanted to be married to me and, and what I did wrong. And I was asking all of these questions. What could I have done better? And how could I have done things different? And, and in that space of time, as I was doing a lot of this really intense soul searching, um, during that time, I was exploring what were the beliefs that were holding me back? What were the th patterns that I had that kept me from being able to experience the intimacy I desired and craved so much in, in that relationship? And, and I started reading books. I started studying. I started talking to people that had successful relationships. And so when that post came, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was sitting there like really processing. And I went back, and I, was, I, I asked myself this question. What advice do I wish I would have had about marriage? And... I just took a moment and pulled out my laptop and I started writing this message to myself. This is a really useful practice for all of us to go back and, and to look at the lessons we wish we would have had. And I just wrote this letter to myself based on that space. And well, and here's what I love about it, too. I just want to interrupt here because I love the space you were in. Um, you know, even though it was this, this space of pain, you're in this space of, okay, how can I improve or how can I take the lessons I've learned and help the lives of other people? So I, I think that that's an awesome space to be in. You know, the emotional quote that I love is suffering minus meaning equals despair. Suffering plus meaning equals purpose. And so you were in this moment of suffering, but you were trying to find some meaning to it. And so uh, you sat down to write this post. So take us through that process. So, yeah, I sat down and, and I felt like in so much um, in so many ways like uh, this message was channeled through me at that moment and it was all these things that I had learned and that I had not known before and I, I felt like every point of advice that I had written was were things that would have transformed my life um, transformed my marriage one from being where we were stuck and stale and felt disconnected and really lacked passion and connection like I really didn't understand who she was she really didn't understand who I was after after 16 years of being married, I felt like she was a person that understood me least on the planet. And I didn't know how to give her the love that she desired or wanted either. And so in the space, I was like channeling these 20 different things. And the next morning was interesting because I was like, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. This would have changed my life mm -hmm. if I would have received this. And I was like, wow, I wonder if there's someone else there that might be served by this. And so I decided to share it on Facebook and I wasn't ready for what would happen. The fact that within a week it would be shared 70,000 times and within two weeks, 150,000 times. And, and then I'd receive a call from the Today Show. I, none of that was even like in, in the realm of my possibility or even what I wanted. Like I was the divorce guy. I was not wanting to be seen as a relationship mm -hmm. expert, but I also took this on as like this this gift, knowing that because I had gone through this pain, often, oftentimes we say our mess becomes our message, because I'd gone through this challenge, this pain of divorce, I felt I felt this huge urge to see how I could help people. Not from this place of like, I've got it all figured out, but this place is like, I know what it's like to suffer and these things I believe would help you. And, and it was beautiful to get messages from all over the world from people that said, wow, this just saved our marriage or this saved our life. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, 
and it was really beautiful to watch that unfolding. Yeah, I love that. And something you said was you felt like you've been married for 16 years, and yet this person knew you least on the planet. It's interesting. One of our comments here on Facebook Live was uh, the definition of intimacy, and it's a play on words in dash to dash me dash see, like you're seeing someone, right? So it, you, when you see into somebody, that is intimacy. Um, when you're able to to be able to be so connected with somebody, you feel like you can see all of them and share with all of them. And uh, another comment that was really interesting, a question somebody asked is, do you ever really end a relationship? And, you know, I think there's obviously very, a variety of different um, situations and scenarios when you're divorced and you've got kids, of course, you're going to keep a relationship with that person. That's You're always going to have that, that co-creation. So really interesting comments. Uh, I love hearing your story, Gerald. So let's, let's hop in now. I know we've got about five minutes to break, but I really want to get into some of this stuff because Again, just to reiterate, if you're just joining us, Gerald Rogers, uh, amazing intimacy uh, expert. I can say I can say from personal experience. I must say, uh, but wrote a wrote a post, a, a Facebook post, post after his uh, divorce a few years ago that went viral. It was on the Today Show, and you have some really really good advice. Um, we actually uh, were reading part of Gerald's book yesterday. Um, we were on our way to an event and and reading part of this book, and I'd never read it before, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is spot on. So I would love to share with our viewers some of the advice that you should in that book that have helped millions of people be able to create more intimate and sustained and fulfilling relationships in their life. You know, we'll get into some of the romantic intimacy stuff too, but the thing that people need to understand is before romantic intimacy can happen, there has to be this level of trust established. There has to be this level of, of intimacy that's on a spiritual and emotional and, an, and a mental level. You just, I mean, there's a difference between intimacy and having sex. There's a very, very clear and distinct difference. So I want you to address that a little bit. And then I want to get into some of these tips before a break. Yeah, and I think this is really important for us to have a clear concept of what intimacy is. Yeah, what and, is intimacy? And, and sometimes it's useful to look at what intimacy is not. What I can tell you is after 16 years of being married, I experienced zero intimacy. Like literally like within the, on a sexual side, like after 16 years, like our last year of marriage, we had sex maybe four times, you know? Even before that, I was lucky if we had sex like once once a month, but it wasn't just that. It was like this space of like, I felt like it wasn't safe to be me. I felt like I couldn't express myself. I didn't really understand how to meet her needs or well, to hold connect on. with I, her I wanna, in a I wanna, way. I want to pause for just a minute because there's some words that are sticking out to me. And, and I want to, maybe we can circle back and address some of these, but a huge uh, word, and well, I guess the word's not huge, but it jumped out to me in a huge way. And that is the word safe. Yeah, You didn't feel safe to express yourself. Yeah, so that and, and then connected was another word that stood out. To yeah, me. And, and so in that space, I, I, I was constantly like wearing this mask and trying to project this idea that I had it all figured out. And, and I, I had very little capacity at that time to be vulnerable or to show up completely authentically. And so it was natural. It's understandable why there was little sexual intimacy because there wasn't that level of connection and love. And, mm-hmm. and I adored this woman, but I had no idea how to love her. Does this make sense? Like, I I wanted so bad to make her happy, but I just didn't know how to get through her walls or to break down my walls so that we could connect. And, and this idea of intimacy uh, into me, I see. I didn't know how to let her see who I was, and I didn't know how to necessarily see who she was either. And so my version of intimacy, what I believe intimacy is, it's, it's this capacity 
to allow yourself to be fully seen. And what I can tell you with you, Allison, what I love so much about the connection that we've been able to create is I feel like there's there's nothing, and, and like I want everyone to get this. Like this is what I want for everyone. There is no secret in the world that I feel like I need to hide from her. There's nothing in my life, current or past, that I feel ashamed of that I'm not willing to share with her. She knows everything. She, she knows the deepest, darkest parts of my soul, and she knows the brightest and most brilliant parts of my soul. So I don't feel like I have to wear any mask at all. I get to show up completely, honestly, and, and in this deep integrity of who I am as a human being. And she cherishes and adores and celebrates that. And, and meanwhile, there's safety for her to fully express who she is in I, I, from what you said, the, the greatest way you've ever experienced yeah. because you weren't able to experience that in your past relationship either. Well, and, and I love this idea and I, I, want to, I want to get down to how do you get to that space because this is not something that came innately to me. It's not something I've always been good at doing. I don't know if it's something you've always been good at doing, but A, letting people see who you are and B, being willing to see somebody else in a state of complete love and without judgment. And I think the thing that will ruin intimacy more more than anything else is criticism. And I, I think oftentimes criticism is born from this desire to help somebody be better, to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. But one thing you have to understand in an intimate relationship, you cannot view your partner as broken. You cannot view them as, as being someone who is, there's something wrong. And part of that, and here's the secret, and if you're listening, you may want to write this down, but here's the secret. You have to let go of expectations. Loving someone and choosing to love someone and having someone show up for you means that uh, you get to choose to love them fully for who they are and let go of expectations. That doesn't mean you can't set boundaries. It doesn't mean that you can't have, you know, ideals or, or standards that you, you want to obtain in your life, but you have to be able to let that go for somebody else. So, Gerald, I knew you addressed this in your post. So. We actually uh, need to go to break right now. But when we come back, I want to, to go through, you actually shared how many, 20, 20 pieces of advice in your post, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I, I want to go through like the top three or four that you feel like is really important. And um, after we do that, we're going to bring uh, Lori Richens on, who actually is our family first expert. She's going to talk about uh, intimacy and family relationships. Lori has been married for a long time and um, has a great relationship with her husband. So I'm really excited to hear uh, from her. And then uh, we're going to get into some um, tips on how to spice things up. So uh, I love it. we'll be right back. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. Are you ready to be fabulous? You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. 
And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm Allison H. Larson here in studio today with the handsomest man alive, at least that's my opinion, uh, Mr. Gerald Rogers. He not only is my beautiful romantic partner, so so super handsome, he's also uh, had a viral post about relationships. He's been on the Today Show. He wrote a whole book about it. Um, he's been guiding and leading people through seminars, not relationship seminars, but transformational seminars for over a decade now. So really excited to have you here in studio. And we've been talking about intimacy. What does it mean and how do you create more of it in your life? So, Gerald, what are your top three tips from the post you wrote? I know you had 20 pieces of advice. If you want to get more, make sure and look that up. But what are your top tips? <laughs> I love that. And thank you for so much for asking because as, as, we, as we build this foundation of intimacy within relationships, understanding intimacy really is it's not – sex, right? Sex is just the just one level and sex and true connection and intimacy and love are very different things. Making love is a very different experience than just having sex. And and I'm I'm not saying that, you know, it's it's wrong to just have sex because sometimes that's fun. But um, to have like true intimacy begins with having this deep foundation of love and trust and connection within your relationship. And it's not based on the amount of time you've been together. Because as I've experienced, like you can be married for 16 years and have zero connection or intimacy. And In fact, we got a lot of questions from people when I when I posted the question, um, you know, what do you want us to talk about on our show? We got some responses from people saying, "How do you keep things alive after yeah, years of marriage?" So, I mean, and, and, yeah, and, you're and right. this is this is important to acknowledge because sometimes the length of time you're together could be a hindrance to true intimacy, mm. or it could be a benefit. But it can be a hindrance if you start to create this pre preconceived judgment of who the other person is, and you stop seeing them for who they actually are. Well, and I think when you start seeing them in a way that you have these expectations of this person's supposed to be doing this or they're supposed to be showing up this way. This is what a marriage is supposed to look like. I think, I mean, we're saying the same things, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so even in long-term relationships, you still have to approach it like a new relationship. Like one of the things, principles I talk about within the book and within the post is like never stop courting, never stop dating, mm -hmm. never stop like treating this this woman, like it's a new relationship. And, and one of these ideas is like, if you treat the relationship 
like you did at the beginning of the relationship, there'll never be an end, right? But it's really oh, easy. Oh, I love that. Wait, if you treat, say that one more time. If you always treat the relationship like you did at the beginning, there will never be an end. Oh, so that answers our question. Do, do you ever really end a relationship? I guess not if you're always treating it like you did in the beginning. Well, and, and, and building that foundation, like if you always approach the relationship as like, I'm going to keep courting, I'm going to keep dating, I'm going to keep like um, inspiring, like notice how you show up in a relationship when you are dating and you're courting and you're, you're building up for this moment where you're going to make this commitment. Like there's, there's this investment where you're constantly showing up as the best version of yourself. You're, you're really, really um, seeking to meet their needs. You, you, like there's this romantic energy that's natural during that courting phase of a relationship where you see the best in them. All you see is like roses and you like love everything that they are and you're constantly spending time and you're looking for every excuse, every reason to be together, right? And when you're courting, you're always in that space of how do I invest in this relationship? And that's why the relationship grows so fast. And that's why there's all this Ooh, chemistry hold on. and I just action. Had, I just had this big like ding, 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 light bulb go off. Okay, you ding, said ding, invest. Ding ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Where's our sound effects voice? Mark? Just kidding. Um, so you said invest in a relationship. I think here's what I've been trying to say, and I haven't been saying it very well, but a relationship starts dying when you start withdrawing from that relationship. You expect that person to give to you. You want withdrawals. But if you're always investing in the other person, the other person's always investing in you, that relationship bank account is just going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger until you have this wealthy and rich relationship versus that mindset of what does this person owe me? What are they supposed to be doing for me? How are they not showing up for me? Yeah. You aren't doing this. That's like a withdrawal mindset. And what will end up happening is if you do that over long periods of time, it'll end up depleting the relationship until you have absolutely zero in your bank account. So yeah. and that was are, really cool. And I what like are the, that. Along with that, one of the quotes that I, I share in the book is this idea that um, marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Mm, interesting. Marriage has to be 100-100. Both people have to be fully engaged in investing without that expectation. And, and when you can give without expectation, that's when the, that's when the relationship flourishes. Mm -hmm. that, that's when you have the most dynamic connection and play and fun because you're focusing on doing what you can to serve and meet their needs. Mm -hmm. and, and what I want to emphasize in this, this space is we're laying a foundation for intimacy within relationships is giving 100% in a relationship without expectation doesn't mean that you're not getting your needs met. It's not about self-sacrifice, and I want to emphasize that because I think that's a problem for a lot of people. Oh, so true. I think I think culturally, some of us learn this idea that if you just sacrifice and just give of yourself and give everything that you have, that that is giving 100% to the relationship, right? So I guess I, I understand what you're saying. And I do agree with you, you should give 100%. And I do agree that you shouldn't self-sacrifice. But how do you give 100% without sacrificing? But the key is the key is this. And, and this mm -hmm. is like learning how to take care of your own needs, right? Learning how to meet your own needs and understand what it is for you to be whole and complete as an individual because the only space that true intimacy can occur is when you are two whole and complete individuals that are fully grounded in who you oh, are I love and that. then you bring together and create like this third entity which is is this 
massive, a beautiful enhancement. If you're two broken halves, then that's where you create codependency mm-hmm. within a relationship because it's like I'm needing the other person to fill my needs because I'm not whole and complete yeah. on my own. I love that. So tip number one, never stop courting, never stop investing in your uh, relationship. I want to read a couple of these comments. Then really briefly, I want to go over tip number two and tip number three before bringing Lori on. So uh, let's see. Trisha says, what do you... What do you recommend when one partner gives 100% continually without getting back? What do you do? And I think this happens in a lot of marriages. I actually see this a lot where you have one person who kind of checks out of the relationship. And it could be in any relationship. And the other person steps into this mode. I know this is me, where if something's not going right, I step into the mode of, oh, I've got to rescue. I've got to make it up. I've got to, you know, save this relationship. I've got to help this other person. But um, I mean, what, what do you what do you do when the other person checks out and you feel like you're giving 100 percent and they aren't giving anything back? So I want to underscore this conversation just by emphasizing that everyone has a different relationship. Everyone has different needs. And, and like, I don't think there's universal advice that makes sense for everyone. I just don't like I, th- I think that. You know, Trisha, your situation, there might be specific nuances to, to why you might ask that question or why. And it might be totally different than someone else that might be feeling the same thing. But here's here's what I can say. In, in If your desire is to make that relationship work, it's true that at some point, the other person has to carry their own weight within the relationship. They have to be invested. They have to engage. They have to desire for the healthy success of the that relationship as, as well. Like both partners at some point have to be committed to the health of the relationship. Otherwise, you know, it's like it's like walking around with one dead leg, you know, and, and at some point the other leg gets really, really tired from dragging the other dead weight mm-hmm. with it. And so it's, it's um, a pretty intense question because so much of it goes into what is it within the other partner that keeps them from being fully invested mm-hmm. or fully checking in? What are their limiting beliefs? What are their fears? Like what are they distracted by? Why aren't they willing to engage or maybe they don't have the capacity. Maybe there's wounds or trauma. Maybe there's fears that they have or maybe there's just a lack of desire and and for the person that feels like they're giving, giving, giving without receiving, I would just really explore like to make sure first and foremost that you are nurturing and loving yourself so you don't expect something from the other person that they're not giving because then you step into this resentment within the relationship and feel judgment, feeling like I'm doing everything and you're not doing anything and I'm right and you're wrong. And that just that just increases the divide that separates us and keeps us from being able to experience intimacy because the expectations of of them and how they're not meeting the expectation then creates a space of lack of trust and, and judgment and anger and frustration and like it creates even more um yeah, just more and more frustration there. So, Well, and here's what I love about what you're saying, Gerald, and that is uh, the whole way you phrase that is, hey, let's think about the other person. What needs aren't they getting uh, met? And I think after giving 100% a relationship for so long and feeling like the other person's not giving back, it's hard um, to think about the other person. You're thinking about yourself and what you're not getting. So, um, But I like how you approach that, and I, I 100% agree. And the other thing that I just want to mention, both from Allison and my experience, is, is the reality is not all relationships are meant to last forever. Like there comes a point within certain relationships where the relationship is complete. The other person does not want to be fully engaged. They don't have the ability, capacity, or desire to meet your needs, in which case it's okay. 
You know, it's, it's okay because um, sometimes we cling to something that doesn't work because it's all that we've known. Well, and yeah, and I 100% agree. It can be that safety, and that's all that we've known. And and for me, what I found out was when I was able to look at my, um, you know, towards the end of my marriage and just realize that there was some things there that were just really toxic, that we were both really good people, but um, neither of us was happy and able to let that go. And, and just because you have marriage advice, just because you know what to do or you feel like you've worked on yourself does not always mean that your relationships are going to work out. Um, it, it doesn't mean that. And so there is part of that that's a willingness to say, you know, how how long do I want to stay in this and, you know, what what's going to be going on? And I don't want to get I don't want to get too much down a rabbit hole with this because I want to bring Lori on. I want you to give your two other tips in two minutes or less, Gerald, uh, for your two other top tips from your marriage post. I love it. All right. So the next one that um, I just would love to share is this idea of being vulnerable, right? There's this there's a space where in order for us to experience like true connected intimacy, we must be courageous enough to reveal all of ourself, right? So often within relationships, it's easy for us to just want to show the shiny parts or the happy parts or the beautiful parts. And we have so much shame and guilt around the other parts of ourselves. And so we, we hide ourselves. We're not willing to be honest. We, we keep ourselves from fully, um, being transparent within well, the relationship. Here, here's the truth about me and my 20 year marriage, um, in probably the first 17 years of my marriage, my ex-husband saw me cry maybe three times. And um, they were pretty big, like, death-type <laughs> events. And the fact of the matter was I just didn't—I was not vulnerable. I, I just wanted to show up as this happy, wonderful wife the whole time. And so I didn't let him know about the things I was scared about. I didn't let him know about the things I was sad about. I didn't let him know about the worries and fears I had. And I remember this point in our relationship, Gerald, which I really just— um, felt safe and like I could trust you and like you showed up for me is this moment when I was just crying. Like, you guys, I'm talking like snot and tears. <laughs> My hair's a mess. I'm like, I don't want you to see me this way. And Gerald just held me tighter. And he's like, when do you think you're most beautiful to me? And to me, that was like, oh, wow, this guy actually is, cares about me and I can be vulnerable. I can share things with him and he's not going to take off. He's not going to leave. He's not going to judge me. And it was really um, valuable. And there's this really amazing thing that happens within our within our connection in this, this space of intimacy when we share something that we're so afraid of sharing. Like we share something we're afraid of or a mistake that we've made in the past or something that that is like maybe a, th a thought or, or a you know, a doubt or whatever, when we can share that and the other person says, wow, thank you so much for sharing that. I love that you share that and I'm grateful for you and I acknowledge you and I, and I love you as you are. When someone can love us unconditionally in that space, it creates this outrageous level of trust because then it, it, it empowers us to share even deeper and to feel like we don't need to hide. So that, that vulnerability aspect has two parts to it. Number one, our courageousness to be vulnerable. And number two, our capacity to allow our partner to be vulnerable and to show up in their, in their messiness, right? To embrace their messiness as part of who they are and to love them in that space. And, and I think when we as partners can create that 
vulnerability for each other, then then all of a sudden that connection happens. Absolutely. And uh, Gerald, last tip, and uh, then I'd love to uh, bring Lori on. Last tip. So the last tip is, is simple. The last tip is simply always choose love. Mm, always love choose that. love. Always choose love. Because I feel like if, if this <laughs> is the guiding, driving principle through which you make decisions in your life, then everything you say will be through this lens of love. Everything you do will be like, I want to bless this partner. I want to empower them. I want to see them shine. When you can always choose love, which isn't always easy because we have our triggers, we have our wounds, we have our fears, we have our our mess, and sometimes we're not in a space of love. But if we can make sure that when we're not in a space of love to take time for ourselves to get back in that Mm -hmm. so that we're making the important decisions from that love, then all of a sudden things work out and it's beautiful and it's magical and and the relationship evolves and grows and develops because you're acting and choosing because love is the guiding desire. I love that. And, uh, you know, they really do say, you know, love, love will save the day, love is all. But if you think about it, the times that you've had struggles in your relationship, and I'm talking to all of you out there that are listening, has it been uh, when you were coming from a space of love or when you were coming from a, a, a space other than love? So really great advice, Gerald. All right. We have with us, joining us today, Lori Richens. And Lori, I'm really excited to have you on here. You are our family expert. Um, You are the mother of seven children. You've been married for how long, Lori? Almost 35 years. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. So here's my question for you. Do you have a good, intimate relationship with your husband after 35 years and seven children later? I do. And in fact, I... I loved that you addressed this post that uh, Gerald had put out publicly regarding what divorce taught him about love and loss. Hello, Gerald. Hello. How are you? It's so so good to to hear your voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to hear from you as well. So I'm going to come from another angle. I'm going to flip it on the other side of what marriage of being married for almost 35 years and a mother of over 30 years has taught me about love and loss. And so I'm going to give a story first about loss and then a quick little story first about love as well. And it's going to tie in beautifully with your topic. So I loved the person who who clarified that intimacy is actually seeing into another person. And so often we think about intimacy being attached to simply that romantic relationship. And I love that you clarified that it's basically having a very close association or connection with someone. And as a mother, I'm going to share a story about an intimate association that I've had with my daughter. Last night was one of those nights, Allison, you talked about crying and you talked about Mm -hmm. just those difficult days where you weep. And last night I was just saturated with sadness. You're an athlete, Allison, so you're going to understand this. Our daughter, Lily, is a star athlete in school and she's a senior and when she was a sophomore... She tore her ACL, and that is not uncommon with with athletes who are heavily involved in sports. And, in fact, her sister had also had a torn ACL, and so has her dad. So we've dealt with this before. But um, so, you know, she fought, and she worked, and she, she labored to get back in time, and we just kept thinking how wonderful it was going to be that she'd be able to be strong for her senior year. And just a few days ago, she had another injury, and we took her to the doctor, to her surgeon, last yesterday afternoon, and found out that she has a badly damaged meniscus. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, so you know what that means. Yeah. 
And so having experienced that and having to go through this again with another daughter and realizing that basically her sports for her senior year are, she's a three-sport athlete, and that's been compromised now, of course. And <clears throat> so as I laid in bed with her, and I always stay very close to my children when they're hurting and when they're grieving, I was grieving with her, and as tears were just falling down my eyes, I was I was just conversing with the Lord. I was having this very intimate conversation with Him and, and wanting Him to help me to understand the blessings that come with these difficult situations. And I was brought back to the experience that I had with our other daughter, Elizabeth. And Allison, you know my Elizabeth. I do. She's beautiful. And, mm-hmm, yep. She, too, is a star athlete, and she injured herself her senior year. And uh, it was one of those moments where there was so much grieving in our home. I remember thinking, what do I know about this child? What can I do to help shift her out of this state of sadness? And I remembered she was an excellent pianist, and I remembered how much she loved to play Michael Buble songs. Mm. And... um, So I hadn't been to a a concert for quite a long time, and I got on the Internet, and I found out that uh, Michael Buble was having a live concert in Salt Lake City. And, of course, we live over in Idaho. It's about a six-hour drive. Right. And I said, yeah. So I told Elizabeth, or I told Lily, or excuse me, Elizabeth, I said, find a friend. I'm going to take you to this concert. And so... It was a, an incredible drive over. We were laughing and we were listening to his songs on the way over. And, and I was like, you know, somebody in an Elvis concert. You know, I was an older <laughs> woman, but I was loving hmm. this performance. And I was dancing and, and just really enjoying this time with, with Elizabeth. And when the concert was over, I was surrounded by masses. I was in the midst of a mass number of people filing into the aisles to go out of this building. And then the Lord gave me an intimate message. And this is what he said in the midst of all these people pushing against me and us trying to get out of this building. He simply said, men are that they might have joy. And of course, that's a a scriptural reference. And I had heard it many times before, but suddenly in that moment, I realized that the emphasis was on the word might. Not Mm. that we will have joy, not that we are guaranteed to have joy, but that we might have joy. And what I realized is that we are the designers of our destiny. And in that experience, we created a moment. We sacrificed, we paid for tickets, we traveled, but we created this beautiful experience so that we could have joy because that's what the Lord would have us experience. (gasps) So that was a very enlightening moment because I knew my daughter, because I understood her. I created an experience where we could shift from that place of despair into feeling uh, more of an eternal kind of sense of joy. And I want to wrap up with a quick little story about love. So for those of you out there who might be struggling in your marital relationships or partner relationships, I, too, went through that with my husband, and so as I mentor couples, as a, as a whole family mentor, um, I often share this story or some uh, story similar to it. We took two of our children down to um, Disneyland this summer, and while we were there, I made a mistake and went on a virtual reality ride for the first ride of the day. And it did me in. It completely did me in. I was going to say, I I think I know know what you're talking about. I've had that happen before. 
Yes, and so I tried to stay with it, and I was just sick for, you know, for hours after that. and didn't feel very well, and after four or five hours watching my other children um, on the rides, I walked back to the hotel, and I rested for a bit, and I stayed for a couple of hours, and then my husband showed up with a, a bucket meal of Kentucky Fried Chicken, Aww. and in this it was it was so sweet. He was bringing food to his wife, and then we were going to go back into the um, you know into the theme park. And as we opened up the bucket and each of the sides, um, you know, one of my favorite things is coleslaw. So I went right for the Kentucky Fried Chicken coleslaw, and I'm just devouring this. And then suddenly I stopped myself and I told my husband, I said, "Oh, I need to stop eating this because I need to have enough for the rest of the family." And he said, oh, no, I, I bought a second, or I have a second um, container. You just go ahead and eat all you want. And then I didn't think much about it until we ended up back into the theme park, and we're sitting around one of the tables at the cafeterias, uh, um, one of the places where you can eat. And I overheard my husband say to the children, here's a container of um, coleslaw for you. And then he said, I know your mom loves coleslaw. And I had a choice of three sides, and I bought two containers of coleslaw so she could have as much as she wanted. Now, that's a simple story, but women need to open themselves up to their men in the act of intimacy. When we're talking on a sexual level, that's what women do. It's, it's an opening. And I want your listeners to understand that moments like that open the heart and the body, help to open the heart and the body of a woman when she knows that her husband understands her that well and is willing to sacrifice and do something that simple because I just wanted to melt into him. He wasn't bringing attention to it. He wasn't trying to persuade me to do anything. He just let me know that he could see into me and he wanted to give me something that gave me pleasure, which was Kentucky Fried Chicken coleslaw. Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, just on two levels, intimacy has to do with really understanding the other person and we as parents need to understand well who our children are so we can help them shift from despair into being the designers of a, a happier future. And then also with our husbands to just Remember the coleslaw analogy. Remember that those simple things end up opening the heart and help you to feel connected to someone because they know you well and they know that it's a gesture of I love you and I just want to give you joy. So thank you for having me on your show today. I love that. And thank you so much, Lori. I I 100% agree with you. And I think it is about really knowing and thinking about what brings joy to other people. I remember my birthday this year, Gerald flew out for my birthday. And it was the first birthday I really remember, you know, he asked me what I wanted. And he listened and he gave me everything I wanted. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily physical gifts, uh, but what what was so surprising to me about that was he actually listened, and he actually, you know, first of all he asked, second of all he listened, and third of all he acted. So he asked, he listened, and he acted, and to me that was so meaningful to me and created this deeper level of intimacy and trust with him and feeling really cared about and really cherished and taken care of. So um, I love your story about the coleslaw and. And I definitely 100% agree with what you're saying. So thank you so much, Lori. And for those of you who don't know Lori, Lori, uh, could you tell people a little bit about your book? Maybe just take uh, about 20 seconds, let them know uh, about your book and where they can get it. 
Yes, actually, I'm still in the process of writing it. I may end up including the coleslaw analogy, actually. Yeah, I love that. But it's called, <laughs> yeah, 10 Strategies to Strengthen Your Family While Building Your Business. And, yeah, so I will have it available. In the meantime, if you want to contact me, if you feel like I can be of service to you as you're trying to fortify your families, please go to wholefamilymentoring at gmail.com, or you can go to my website at wholefamilymentoring.com, and I'd love to connect with you, so... Allison, you and Gerald, I'll continue to listen and learn, and uh, it's just been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much, Laura. You bring uh, such wisdom and such depth to the show each week and really appreciate you and, and all that you have to offer. So thank you so much, Lori Richens, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we've got Gerald now about six or seven minutes. I want to take this topic somewhere. And, and you know what's so funny? I lost my, I've lost my Facebook live feed, so I don't know what happened if I, like, seeded my Facebook live amount for the week. I don't know if there's some kind of limit on that, but won't, won't let me hop back on. But luckily, we're on Gerald's Facebook Live, and um, all of you listening can, of course, find the recordings of these shows uh, among other past shows where we've had amazing guests that have worked to transform their lives and are now working to transform the lives of others at Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show on Voice America. So all you need to do is Google Voice America, Spotlight, Allison H. Larson, and you can uh, find the full recording of this show among all our other shows. Uh, we've got some amazing ones on there. So let's get down to the bedroom. <laughs> I think there's some people out there that want to know about this. And I want them to know about this because I think once you create and establish that level of intimacy on that phys- on that emotional and mental and spiritual level and you feel like you've established that level of trust and you have safety, now is the time when you can take it into the bedroom. So, Gerald, share with me your tips for um, romance. Yeah, I really appreciate this. And, and there's so many things that if I would have known these like six, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago, I, I wish I would have known them 20 years ago, um, it would have it would have changed my life because um, like in my first marriage, it was so, I lived for 16 years in utter sexual frustration, completely unable and unknowing how to get my sexual needs met because I didn't know how to meet her needs fundamentally. You know, I, I believe that all of us want to have an amazing, sexually vibrant relationship and connection. But when a man doesn't know how to step up and to love the woman in the way that she needs, it's impossible. If the, if the emotional intimacy isn't there, then it's very unlikely within a relationship that the sexual intimacy will be there as well. I, and and. What I want to underscore is every relationship is different because other, mm-hmm. I have met people that are like, our sex life is great. We just, we hate each other every other way in our life, right? So, so I, I, I want to emphasize that sexual intimacy and real intimacy are, are not always the same. Like, well, but I do have to say this, and I, I will, will add this. As we've been talking on the show and we're talking about, you know, making sure your needs are taken care of and giving 100%, all of these things that you can do outside of the bedroom, you can apply inside of the bedroom to create that same sexual intimacy. So I think the practices are good outside, and then you bring them inside the bedroom. And yes, maybe you can have a great sexual intimacy and, and not a good emotional connection or whatever, 
but I don't know. For me, for me, it's all part of the same whole. And and for me, and I think maybe it's this way for a lot of women. Uh, and maybe some are different, but if I don't feel that emotional connection, it's really empty. The physical connection. And, and I believe that's how it is for most people. You know, men and women they have different needs. But for a man, if if you want to really create that intimacy and that passion and that that fire within the bedroom, um, both in you know, long-term in your relationship and, and just on a daily basis, really it comes down to making sure that all of the, like, real intimacy begins outside the bedroom, right? You have to be constantly be doing the things that are investing more value and more love within the relationship. You know, it's it's the cleaning the house or the talking about how are you feeling what's going on in your mind what are you what are you doing like intimacy for a woman like it's it's really important that you help her clear her mind so that she can be really present and fulfilled within within the bedroom and so that all begins by making sure that there is space for her mind to be clear and so those those daily you know texts and those that flirtation throughout the day is what makes it so that by the end of the day, like she's, she's hungry. She desires you. She feels connected. She wants to experience that, that oneness and that unity. Well, and here's something I've really learned from you, Gerald. And and that is, I think so many women feel like they want to be selfless. They want to make sure their partner's happy and satisfied. But I love how you describe in your book, women are like ovens and men are like microwaves. And I'm sure that's, you know, not, I, I don't know if that's original to you. I've, I've heard no, it some it, other places, not. but um, but you know, men can be turned on very quickly, and women take time to warm up. But one of the things you've taught me is, hey, I feel the most satisfied and the best. This is you talking. You're like, hey, Allison, I feel the best and the most satisfied when I feel like you're satisfied. And so for women to really, and, and it's this way in your your relationship on the spiritual and mental and emotional level too. You have to take care of yourself and make sure that you have your needs fulfilled. And then the man can can have his needs fulfilled and he will feel happy because you're taken care of, right? Yeah, understand that for a man, like our core driving desire as a man is to show up as a hero, right? We want to be respected. We want to be the hero. We want to do it. So the advice for a man and a woman are actually exact opposite of what I would share in terms of my experience. Once again, everyone has their own experience. There's all sorts of different things. But what I know is for a man in the bedroom, focus on giving her pleasure first, right? Focus on bringing her to orgasm. Focus on helping her feel completely cherished and adored and loved and and like give her that space to be lit up and and to be really fully satisfied before you take care of yourself for women it's just the opposite i would say the way, advice i would give for women is focus on your pleasure first because for me as a man when you're satisfied when you're experiencing joy when you're experiencing orgasmic pleasure then all of a sudden i feel successful as a man and i love that that's beautiful advice, and and I think that really is the secret to uh, success in the bedroom, along with many other things. Uh, Gerald, we are out of time on the show today, and I know I've loved having this conversation. Uh, if somebody wants to know more of these tips, if this has resonated with you, you're a listener, uh, could you tell could you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, where they can get uh, material from you? So I want to emphasize I am not a sex expert sex expert and I sex don't expert? I'm not a, I'm not a sex expert and I don't even claim to be a relationship expert um, but there is an amazing program that I changed my life it's called Fuel Her Fire um, which is a phenomenal program search that out like really like 
it is unbelievably life-changing for men that are wanting to experience that passion for women too that want to feel that connection i'm 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 just happy to share my experiences because i know it will serve people but um there are amazing experts out there that that train on this so thank you so much gerald thank you for being here today thank you to Lori richens and thank you to all of those of you who have invested your time uh, to listen to this show and to create deeper intimacy in your life i'm allison h larson and you've been listening to spotlight Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.